0: Global consumerism is a $40 trillion a year phenomenon, which makes it the largest, most predictable investment opportunity on the planet. Who are the prime beneficiaries of global consumption trends? Mega brands. Welcome to the Mega Brands Podcast series. I'm your host, Eric Clark. In this podcast, we explore mega trends through the lens of a global investor with the ultimate goal of identifying the most relevant, most innovative brands that are best positioned to become what I call mega brands. These are the brands that are customer obsessed, have a corporate culture of innovation and self disruption, create products and services that are in high demand, that exhibit strong brand love from customers, are serving a global opportunity, and appeal to multiple demographic groups. What's the reward for a company that meets these criteria? More revenue, more cash flow, higher market share, and the potential to reach the trillion dollar club. Please enjoy our next episode of Mega Brands. Eric Clark is the Portfolio Manager for the Rational Dynamic Brands Fund in conjunction with his partners at Acuvest Global Advisors. All opinions expressed by Eric and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Acuvest Global Advisors or Rational Funds. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of the Brands Fund or AccuVest may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hey everybody, this is Eric Clark, Dynamic Brands Portfolio Manager. Um, normally I have a guest, but I wanted to do a, just a kind of a market update and kind of allow people to think about the the big picture, because we all seem to be so focused on the here and now and what the Fed's going to say next and what interest rates and inflation data is going to show next. Uh, and, and it's easy to get sucked into the short-term thinking and, and the panic surrounding short-term movements in markets So I wanted to just give some perspective for, for, you know, those of us who are more long-term in thinking and who frankly have the benefit of duration um, because we're investing for the long-term and for our retirements and our kids' education, et cetera, et cetera. This uh, was recorded on Tuesday, September 20th, around 10.40 a.m. Pacific time in San Diego. I think it's important that we remind ourselves currently we live in a very short-term focused, very macro over micro and company fundamentals world. It is what it is. And, and, and the Fed kind of likes that, frankly. The Fed loves the fact that speculation has gone down, overspending has gone down, They don't want people to speculate on houses and stocks and cars and flipping assets, et cetera, at a time when they're trying to fight inflation. Now, we all know, and they have even told us in their minutes, they know that the tools the Fed has are very blunt tools and that those tools really can't do anything to the supply side of this inflation problem. All they can do is take their hammer and whack everything. Demand related. Now, I, I think this is somewhat idiotic. The, the The politicians around the world and central banks, including our own, overreacted to COVID. We know that now, right? We're on the backside of that looking, looking in the rearview mirror. So it's easy to say that they overreacted. I certainly have been very vocal about that. Their policies were big, big overreactions, okay? And now they're double downing on overreactions by overreacting to inflation. At the end of the day, inflation will pull back with demand, natural demand. Businesses and companies, or excuse me, businesses and consumers will cut demand when they finally say, you know what? These prices are astronomical. I don't need this product or service. So I'm going to cool my jets for a little bit. And I'm going to wait for a better time. I don't need it now. And I don't like getting fleeced and, and having, you know, being overcharged. And I don't care whether that's a $12 Chipotle burrito or a house that is really worth 800 that's listed for 1.2 and you feel compelled to jump in with some FOMO. So, so demand will naturally fall as it always does without intervention from governments. But here we are, we all have to deal with the fact that the Fed is is the referee and it's on the playing field as a player, and they are distorting prices. They distorted them on the way up and they're distorting them on the way down. And we just all have to live through that. Now that sounds like a pretty dire statement, but the reality is If you have some duration, if you can widen your lens and you have some time from an investment perspective, you are now and over the next six months getting some of the best prices for some of the greatest companies, aka brands in our world, that you're going to see for a very long time. Prices got distorted to the upside And now they have come crashing down. And maybe they have more to go. That's above my pay grade. I do think, though, that the next six months, you're going to see some incredible bargains. And it's impossible to know where the bottom is. So in my opinion, you should just trance your way in. If you have a core holding in some really important, large thematics, one of them could be consumer spending, business spending. It's you know, 40 plus trillion every single year. So I challenge anybody to tell me what a bigger, more important thematic is. But since we don't know where the bottom is, one, you need a core equity allocation in that theme in particular, and there are others. Two, you should be willing to cost average into more of that theme as the prices get cheaper. And at the end of the day, if you're cost averaging systematically, it doesn't matter if you catch the bottom. And I know I've talked to a lot of advisors lately and they said, I absolutely want to add to the brand strategy. I'm just afraid to do it right now. And I and I, I completely understand that. But the important thing, and I'll show you some examples here, is that it doesn't matter if you catch the bottom, just spread your your cost averaging into let's say five different tranches. If you hold a core allocation, maybe buy some here and then add to that on little increments lower if we go lower. And certainly what could bring us lower is, is less about probably inflation and more about earnings estimates that have to come down because the Fed is hell bent on destroying the economy short-term in the hopes that it 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 destroys inflation. I, I happen to think that the Fed is gonna continue to do what they're gonna do, which is gonna put a crimp in the economy and other central banks around the world are doing the same and it's not really going to help the inflation picture too much we will see over time but i want to give some real examples and, and of just some widening of the lens um, if you look at just sectors overall the most the, the best performing sectors over the last 3 years just the just the top 3 that beat the S&P Technology, number one, healthcare, number two, consumer discretionary, number three. The best, the most relevant brands tend to play mostly in tech and consumer discretionary primarily. So history says that tech and consumer tend to outperform more often than they, than they don't. In fact, here's a fun fact, since 1980, uh, since 1998, and that's when the sector indexes go back. I don't have the data in front of me for the like the S&P consumer sectors or, or all of the sectors that go back. I think maybe to, it's 1989, but I do remember it's the same result. Tech has been the best performer, not surprisingly. Big growing companies transition, you know, kind of drivers of of business and, and even more so in in the consumer world these days but they tend to be much more volatile and a lot more expensive than than most consumer companies but consumer discretionary as a sector looking back to the the end of 1998 has the best beat rate on a calendar year versus the S&P 500 62 and a half percent of the time the consumer discretionary sector has outperformed the S&P it's the third best performing sector over the last 30 years. Okay. Now, what I find interesting is technology, the number one performing sector only beats the S&P 51% of the time. So it has a a less good beat rate. It's just when tech does tend to outperform, it tends to do so in a more meaningfully way relative to consumer discretionary 20 years tech, consumer discretionary, and healthcare are the three top sectors. 10 years, tech, consumer discretionary, and healthcare. Five years, tech, consumer discretionary, and healthcare. You see a trend? Here's the fun part. And it's never fun to go through the period of underperformance. I'll admit that. We all admit underperforming isn't fun. Over the last three years, Tech is still outperforming the S&P, as is healthcare, but consumer discretionary is slightly less than the S&P over that three-year period. And then over the one- and two-year period, both technology and consumer discretionary is underperforming the S&P. So we we are well underway in a rare period when tech and consumer discretionary underperform the market. Could it continue for another year? Sure. Anything's possible, Right. But you gotta anchor to the long-term data that we have. More often than not, consumer discretionary and tech, and I would argue the best companies or brands in those sectors outperform more often than they don't. Why? I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, but the if if 70% of the economy is consumer spending with another three or so percent in business investment, it's natural to assume the best brands, the leading companies, the most relevant companies across uh, consumer discretionary, which is the biggest driver of growth in an economy that's consumer led, should in theory outperform more often than not. And I can prove that in many different ways, uh, which I'll try to do in a second. And then naturally technology is a bigger, bigger part of everything that we do as consumers and as businesses and so naturally the best brands in that sector should outperform over the long term too. And that's exactly what's happened over these periods of time. So, you know, again, we don't know how long this is gonna last this underperformance is going to last. Interest rates and and excessive valuations is what drove some of the underperformance over the last couple of years. A lot of those valuations have been already reset as interest rates have gone straight up and as an, as inflation has been very high but we know inflation is coming down it's going to be slow it's going to be choppy um, and i think inflation is going to stay a little stickier higher for longer because the components inside of how we calculate inflation are probably going to be stickier with with a lag so you know let, let's look at the consumer though over a 10 and a 30 year period and i've just cherry picked some of the most important brands that are highly relevant in very important spending categories over the 10 year period tesla clearly an auto leader in, in the ev movement 10000 bucks invested in the s&p over the last 10 years ending september 1st of this year you, you turned into 34000 your 10000 over 10 years for tesla 1.4 million you are Ten thousand and Amazon turned into one hundred and two thousand and change. Lowe's, the home improvement center, turned into eighty one and change. Uh, Mastercard turned into eighty one thousand and change. Apple turned into seventy seven thousand five hundred fifty. Costco seventy thousand and change. Chipotle fifty five thousand and change. Nike forty eight thousand and change. So these great brands over the last ten years did pretty well versus the S and P. And we've had lots of things happen over 10 years. Let's look at 30 years, because I think that's more important. You know, over the last 30 years, we've had the 97 Asian crisis, the dot-com crash, 9-11, the 2008-9 housing crisis, financial crisis, the 2011 European debt crisis, uh, we've had taper tantrums in 2013, we had the coronavirus in 2020, and then all the things that happened with the, 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 the market peaking in late 2021. Over that 30-year period, your $10,000 investment in the S&P generated about 1.6 million, Apple is 45 and change million, Starbucks, 25 million and change, Lowe's, 24 million and change, Charles Schwab, 13.6 in change. TJ Maxx, 13.3 million in the apparel category. Costco, 10.3 million. Sherwin-Williams, the paint and coatings brand, 7.6 million. Nike, 6.5. Target, 4.9. So over that, that 30-year period when we've had massive dislocations, crashes, flash crashes, bear markets, all of those things similar to what we're going through you know kind of right now with ukraine and the china taiwan with inflation etc the events are always different the results seem to be the same over the long term the best businesses just tend to outperform the market and so in periods the moral of the story here is in periods when they are underperforming you already know how the movie ends You know great businesses over time outperform. So what do you do when they're underperforming? You take advantage of that and you add to your positions. That's how cost averaging benefits really work. Let me give you a couple of real world examples of some cost averaging. Uh, I'm just going to take Chipotle going back to the IPO in 2006. And there's an illustration that I have that I'll post on our website, Global Brands Matter. that shows, let's say you had your core holding and you bought it in January of 2006. But let's also say that you committed a little extra capital. In this example, I used $10,000 when the core investment was 100,000. So when the stock of Chipotle is down 25% from the highs or 25% from the last cost average, what did that additional cost averaging add to your portfolio Including your core investment, so 10 100k invested in Chipotle and on January 31st turned into 3.6 million dollars at the uh, in the middle of September a few days ago. Pretty good investment. The, it, that same 100k invested in the S and P over that same period would be worth a little over 431 thousand. So. Radical outperformance by investing in your favorite burrito brand, which you saw on the street every day. There's a line out the door, particularly early in Chipotle's career. That was a good Peter, you know, that Peter Lynch, know what you own kind of decision. But if you added that $10,000 cost average to that position on 25% pullbacks, and you added those things up and added it to your core That was an extra $284,000 that you had in your portfolio at the, at the middle of September this year, using that $70,000 investment of extra shares. So what's the moral buy and hold that core long-term position, assuming the brand is still the dominant brand and the most relevant brand in that industry. That's the key. That's what we focus on. Now, you know, the same result wouldn't be if you decided to cost average into Kohl's or Nordstrom or JCPenney or a host of other brands that are no longer relevant. The key is relevancy. And that's what we spend all of our time on. So we feel pretty good about making the decisions on which brands are still relevant to know when cost averaging is a really smart decision. It's a simple, logical, effective approach, and you're getting a chance now to be able to add to those positions, particularly on the brand side that have come back 25 plus percent. And most of these companies have come down that much or even more. So there's a great opportunity to add to your core. And if you don't have a core, this is a great um, this is a great presentation for you to listen to to be to begin adding a consumer led core to your bit to your portfolio. Let's take a look at a longer term time horizon for Starbucks. 30-year period for Starbucks, your $100,000 investment starting in September of 1992 would be worth a little over $23 million. That is a massive gain for an investor who was committed to this great brand and adding on dips. That 100K invested in the S&P 500 over that same period of time would only be worth 1.6 million. Still a great investment, but nowhere near the uh, Starbucks gain that you had. Now, if you added 10,000 bucks to your Starbucks core position after 25% pullbacks, trust me, you didn't catch the bottom in a lot of these buys. But it didn't matter. That extra. $10,000 added an extra $1.58 million to your portfolio at the end of that period. Can you use an extra one and a half million bucks? I'm guessing you can. So, you know, if you look at the, the 2007 through 2009 period, you added to Starbucks four different times when the market was going down, it probably felt bad. But again, when you're focused on the most relevant brands, when the market is 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 going through massive corrections or crashes or bear markets, you get a chance to invest in the leaders. The leaders are the ones that take market share in difficult times because they have the cash, because they have the vision and they have the ability to grow and expand when everybody else in the industry is retrenching. The same would be true with Lululemon. I could cite so many different examples of of the, the cost averaging benefits over time. So, you know, the last thing I wanna talk about is just if you look at a core now, and I'm just gonna look at our our current portfolio and th- those are, you know, sometimes the names change. So I, I'm, I don't have any uh, ab- ability or I don't have to update, you know, people on the, the the changes in the portfolio, but just a snapshot of the portfolio today on September 20th, it yields some really important themes within the, the dominant theme of consumer and business spending. One of the, the major ones is the migration of assets into you know out of traditional stocks and bonds and into real assets and private equity. And the two, by far, biggest 800-pound gorillas in that category are Blackstone and KKR. Now, those companies are struggling right now. The companies aren't struggling as much as the stocks are struggling because the thesis is, well, if the economy's slowing, then all of those private investments are going to get marked down and Blackstone and KKR are going to lose asset. They're going to lose the valuations and they're going to lose money on a quarterly basis until the market recovers when they can uh, start gaining fees again. But here's the, here's the laziness and the flaw in that, in that, that thesis. Number one, let's use Blackstone as an example. They had about 100 billion in assets through, through 08. They have almost a trillion. Probably in the next quarter, uh, in their results, they'll, they'll tell us that they have a trillion dollars of assets under management, roughly about 700 billion of fee paying assets. This is a very different Blackstone that's generating quarterly fees on roughly 700 billion in assets, right? So that's much more stable, predictable revenue streams, but they absolutely will will see some degradation in their current book, just like an, an equity fund will see its degradation in valuations when the stock market's down. Here's the fun thing though. Blackstone and KKR combined have, I don't know, 250 billion of dry powder that's sitting there waiting to be spent in chaotic and lower prices. What's happening right now? Prices in all assets are being marked down. So companies that have lots of research and due diligence that are highly connected around the world that are the smartest people in the room in in the regard to the private equity guys, in my opinion, have an epic and historic amount of dry powder to put to work into the slowdown that the Fed is creating. What's the benefit of that? Well, when you put that money to work, those assets start to become fee revenue assets. And they are in most cases perpetual, meaning the money stays in captive in these companies for a very long period of time. And so that the, the, this is kind of evergreen income, plus you're going to get low cost basis on the new investments that these companies make. And when the market and the economy recovers, there's gonna be massive gains in those assets and those purchases. And those realizations will eventually get um, will drop to the bottom line, too. So this is a very virtuous cycle of great investments in difficult times. And when you come out the other end, you get even stronger. And so these stocks are on sale and a wonderful buying opportunity. Even if they go lower, it doesn't matter. I'll buy more. And when they come out, again, they're going to be much stronger and I'm going to have bigger positions with lower cost basis. That's how cost averaging works. The next is some, some technology with regard to cloud migration, productivity software for small businesses and, and consumer technology and hardware. So in those brands, Apple is clearly the 800 pound gorilla. And then within cloud, you have Google cloud, Microsoft, Azure, and AWS with Amazon. And, and then you have, you know, obviously traditional legacy, Microsoft, and then you have another one with Intuit. Intuit creates productivity software for small businesses. Small business is the driver of this country. And so these are great businesses. They tend to be, uh, Intuit in particular, tends to be fairly recession proof because when you're, when your business is slowing down, you need more efficiency tools, not less. And so Intuit has tended to be pretty stable into into slowdowns, but they're all on sale currently. Next is fintech payments, you know, not using cash and using your debit and credit cards with Visa and MasterCard being the top two 800 pound gorillas, they have been reducing their share counts, increasing their dividends, increasing their free cash flow, all of those decisions will be accretive as earnings recover, all that share buyback activity and reducing the float will be accretive to EPS over time. Love those, and they're on sale as well. Let's go to another mega trend, home improvements. Home Depot and Lowe's are clearly the 800-pound gorillas. Both of those are down 25% or more. Great buying. The, 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 the anchoring to our homes and making our homes great places and the Oasis has not changed. We do have a slowdown from housing because mortgage rates have, have gone up over double from 2.5 over to 6 that's slowed down the new housing market. Housing prices are easing a little bit, but, but that keeps people in their homes. What do you do when you're going to stay in your home? You look around to see what you can do to prove it. Next, let's look in for digital advertising. Man, Google is obviously the 800-pound gorilla. Amazon is rapidly becoming one. Apple is even getting into the game of advertising. Those are dominant companies all on sale. Athleisure is a big trend. Nike and Lululemon are two key brands. Eight hundred pound gorillas in that area. Both of those stocks are off twenty plus percent, and and great buys as we come down. Then we go into the food. We got we we can't. Last I checked, we can't stop eating, and so you get through your Amazon investment, you get access to Whole Foods, you get access to Costco on the on the supermarket uh, and the the uh, general warehouse. Um, shopping thematic. And then you also get Chipotle, which is doing really well in a difficult restaurant environment. Then you get differentiated luxury spending. The wealthy people around the world are much less recession recession focused than the average consumer. They still love to buy expensive cars. Ferrari is the 800-pound gorilla there. We own Ferrari. Louis Vuitton, another 800-pound gorilla in The luxury spending with apparel and accessories, they own Tiffany and a lot of great brands. That one is on sale. And then you get U.S. energy independence. We stopped drilling. Biden decided that we didn't want to drill. The ESG movement was too important. And we decided to just cut the permits, stop spending and innovating in the oil patch. And now what what do we have? We have a lack of supply coming in and in that lack of investment coming in, that's going to make Chevron and Exxon which are the big dogs in the category, that's going to make their businesses much more stable and predictable than they ever have been. They're generating gobs of free cash to, and they're putting that money to work, one in exploration when they can, two in sh- share buybacks and three in big dividends. And I can assure you, look at what's happening over in Europe and the UK with the energy crisis. They really wish they were energy independent like the U.S. versus having to be held hostage by Putin in Russia for their energy needs. Next, let's move on to a couple of more life sciences innovation. Lots of things are happening in in biopharma, biotech. None of those things could be could be happening without some of the the tools and life sciences instruments category. Thermo Fisher is the big dog in that category. And everybody goes through Thermo Fisher, we own that one. And that one is now on sale. And then lastly, kind of an everyday staple of life, vanity, vanity never goes out of style, who is a big leader in that category? Well, there's certainly L'Oreal, we own Estee Lauder currently, but I'd love to own. um, I'd love to own L'Oreal at some point as well. Um, so, you know, bottom line from, a, from this portfolio's perspective, talk about a Peter Lynch know what you own. Apple touches you every day. Amazon very frequently. If you're a small business owner, I guarantee Intuit touches you. They process $2 trillion of invoices right now. Uh, If you're a corporation, you have Microsoft products. If you're a consumer, I guarantee you're using your Visa and your MasterCard, probably your Amex. We don't own uh, Amex currently, but that's another one I would love to own on a dip. Um, Look around. When was the last time you were at Home Depot or Lowe's uh, or bought your kids some Nikes or had your wife go and, and spend some money at Lululemon or get a burrito at Chipotle or do your Sunday shopping at Costco, right? These are great companies that generate so much free cash flow, have so much market share. And what are they gonna do in a difficult time? They're gonna take more market share. So, again, folks, I know it's. A, I know that we're all focused on the today and what's going to happen with the market and what level the market finally bottoms at at a much more appropriate multiple if earnings come down because the Fed is just hell bent on destroying the economy. But the reality is, you need to have a core for the consumer because it's large and it's forty trillion a year, and you're getting a chance to add to these great businesses that touch you in many ways for most of uh, your daily life on sale. And it doesn't matter over the long period of time, if you catch the bottom, that's a much different, much more difficult thing to do. And maybe your last tranche is what the bottom turns out to be. That's great. But when the bottom happens, these companies are going to be on sale, there is a massive amount of money that's going to rotate into these great businesses and others, simply because positioning is really offsides, and conservative, there's trillions of dollars of capital sitting in money markets or sitting in, you know, two-year treasuries or CDs, and when that money comes out, it is going to be one heck of a wave going through many, many narrow doors. And the greatest brands are going to be net beneficiaries of that um, of that rotation back into stock. So, I hope it's uh, this has been helpful for some good perspective. And uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Dynamic Brands and the the website is globalbrandsmatter.com under the brands tab you can click the dynamic brands section to see the real time portfolio thanks a lot for uh for for being a part of today thanks a lot Thanks for listening to Mega Brands, everybody. I'm your host, Eric Clark. For more information on this podcast and to learn more about the brand relevancy scoring system we use, be sure to check out the website at globalbrandsmatter.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for the market newsletter and check out my latest thoughts on our favorite portfolio brands in the Dynamic Brands section. If you have any questions or want to learn more about the Dynamic Brands approach, send me a message on the contact tab. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Have a great day.